Welcome to About Mansfield, your audio newspaper. I'm Steve Casillo with the October 18th, 2023, 194th edition, always broadcasting from the Snowmark Studios. Colleen Daniel is in Studio West, and we're here with the About Mansfield news team. Coming up today, it's Mansfield news, sports, and conversation. And a little later in the episode, you will have a chance to win a $25 gift card to a Mansfield restaurant of your choice with our Mansfield trivia question, courtesy of Joe Jenkins Insurance. Let's take a look at the stories we're covering this week. Mansfield ISD takes a stand on school vouchers. Halloween meets Christmas in downtown event. City powers up new Heritage Parkway stoplight. In sports, Timberview marches on. And in the talk segment, Steve talks with New York Times bestselling author Craig Johnson and tells you how you can meet him in person. We are Mansfield's only source for news, sports, and conversation. This is about Mansfield. Are you ready to create unforgettable memories? Picture this, an enchanting event venue nestled amidst breathtaking landscapes with panoramic views right here in Mansfield. The Grandview Event Center is the perfect setting to bring your vision to life. From intimate gatherings to large-scale extravaganzas, the Grandview has flexible spaces to accommodate any occasion, be it a wedding reception, corporate Christmas party, or community gathering. Book your next unforgettable experience at thegrandviewmansfield.com. That's thegrandviewmansfield.com. The Grandview Event Center, where memories are made and dreams become reality. Book your event today. No matter your familiarity with buying or selling real estate, having an experienced, trusted advisor on speed dial is priceless. The Roger and Beth team of Century 21 Judge Fight is here to be that resource for you. Whether you're buying right here in Mansfield or your dreams are taking you elsewhere, we are ready to help you with turning that vision into a reality. To learn more, visit our website at homesinmansfield.com. That's homesinmansfield.com. Hi there, my name's Angela Thorne with Moses Movement, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield. This portion of the news is brought to you by the Grandview Event Center. Mansfield ISD Superintendent Dr. Kimberly Cantu spoke out by video on Tuesday, stating that Texas public schools continue to be underfunded by billions of dollars and that the state of Texas has the ninth largest economy in the world, yet ranks in the bottom third when it comes to public school funding in the United States. Texas public schools continue to be underfunded by billions of dollars. And lawmakers are meeting in a special session right now to address school vouchers, also known as education savings accounts. But public school funding didn't make the agenda. With a budget surplus in the billions, lawmakers still have not addressed funding, while districts remain impacted by record inflation causing massive increases to the cost of operating a school district. Governor Greg Abbott announced a special session that began on October 9th. Lawmakers will address school vouchers also termed education savings accounts. Vouchers use taxpayer dollars to offset the cost of private school tuition. And please know that private schools have no public financial or academic accountability, but do pick and choose which students they admit. Dr. Cantu is seeking your help and asks that you contact your state representative to tell them about what public schools mean to you and how important it is to support our teachers and staff. The district has set up a Texas Legislature Special Session webpage on their site, and you can access it through our website, aboutmansfield.com. 
Just click on the links tab. The Historic Mansfield Business Association is teaming up with Toys for Tots, the city of Mansfield, and Mansfield ISD for this year's annual Haunt the Block in Historic Mansfield, and they're promising it's going to be bigger and better than ever. Fox 4 News will be on the scene. They'll be bringing you live coverage of the Toys for Tots launch, which culminates during the Christmas season. Meanwhile, the city of Mansfield is pulling out all the stops with a spine-tingling costume contest. Local downtown businesses are also getting into the act with their own costume competition. And lest we not forget, the sweetest part of all, a mountain of candy for everyone. Round up the little ghouls and goblins because Haunt the Block is a safe, thrilling opportunity you simply cannot miss. It all happens in downtown on Main Street. Come haunt the block on the evening of Thursday, October 19th. Commuters who travel along Heritage Parkway near Regency Parkway have undoubtedly noticed the makings of a new stoplight for the past couple of months. Well, the day has come. As of Tuesday, the new traffic signal at the Heritage Parkway and Regency Parkway intersection is now in flash mode to get drivers familiar with the new traffic pattern. The signal will flash yellow on Heritage and red on Regency. During this time, drivers on Heritage Parkway should use caution when approaching the intersection, while commuters on Regency Parkway are required to stop for traffic on Heritage Parkway. The traffic signal will operate normally with red, yellow, and green lights beginning Tuesday, October 24th. Some gotta win, some gotta lose. We'll talk about it because sports is next. Imagine a city where innovation knows no bounds, where dreams take flight, and the future unfolds before your very eyes. Welcome to Mansfield, a beacon of growth and a testament to vision. In the heart of Mansfield, a remarkable transformation is underway. But it's not just about the physical landscape. It's about the spirit that drives us forward. A spirit of collaboration that bridges cultures. A spirit of entrepreneurship that fuels prosperity. And a spirit of community that binds us as one. Mansfield is more than just a place. It's a canvas where diversity paints the picture of progress. From art festivals that ignite creativity to tech hubs that redefine boundaries, this city celebrates every voice, every passion. Mansfield, where growth knows no limits and the vision is limitless. Brought to you by the unstoppable spirit of the Mansfield Economic Development Corporation. In sports, you remember that old country song, Good Time Charlie's Got the Blues? It has that classic line in it, some gotta win, some gotta lose. Yeah, that's what happened last week in Mansfield ISD football. And the numbers that were posted were huge. But that's to be expected when you hear opposing names such as Duncanville and DeSoto, the number one and two highest ranked teams in the state. Thursday night, Mansfield was dismantled by Duncanville 51-0 at R.L. Anderson. After winning their first five games, the Tigers now dropped to 5-2 and two on the season. On the other hand, the undefeated Timberview Wolves continue their perfect season by dropping Dallas Molina to the proverbial knees. 45-3, the Wolves came out strong by taking a 25-0 lead in the first quarter while adding 20 more points in the second half. Turning to Friday Night Lights, the Summit Jags improved their season to 4-3 by taking down Corsicana 55-14. Senior receivers Joseph Williams, Dorian McDade, Isaiah Allen, and Joshua Hefsabah reeled in passes, resulting in one touchdown for each of them, while senior running back Amare Burgess posted 160 yards and 12 carries, including his own touchdown. 
Elsewhere, Legacy drops to 1-6 on the season with a loss to Waxahachie, 38-12, and Lakeridge was crushed by DeSoto, 64-3 in front of a homecoming crowd. The Eagles are still looking for their first win of the season. Games on tap for this week include Thursday night, Lakeridge plays Dallas Sunset. It's a pink-out game at Newsom. Friday night, Summit takes on Everman at R.L. Anderson, also a pink-out game. Lakeridge plays host to Legacy at Newsom, and your Mansfield Tigers travel to Waxahachie. Taking a look at the highs and lows around the state this past week, the low score of the week, Stony Point of Round Rock nipped Cedar Park's Vista Ridge 7-0. While the high score of the state is also the biggest goose egg of the state, courtesy of 1A Ball, Tomball Christian Homeschool routed Harmony School of Innovation out of Katy 103 to nothing. If you have a comment about the show, you know, the news, whatever's on your mind locally, what's on your mind, the good, the bad, the ugly, you can reach us by voicemail at 817-435-2938. Again, that's 817-435-2938. Finally, this coming Sunday, October 22nd is National Make-A-Dogs Day day. When you think about it, a dog's main task is to be man's best friend with their cute little eyes and slobbery kisses. So why not dedicate a day to the little fluffer? How does one make a dog's day? Well, ad- adoption immediately comes to mind. As of this recording, the Mansfield Animal Shelter on Industrial Boulevard has eight adoptable dogs listed on their website. Of course, if there's a pooch already in your home, how about an extra long walk or a day at man's best dog park? Of course, a new chew toy might be at the top of their list. Or how about play fetch? Or make their leg wiggle with delight with a belly rub? Or how about all of the above? In any event, Sunday is the day to turn the tables and show some love to Fido, Rover, or Copper, or whatever his or her name is, in exchange for a year-round unconditional love that they provide to you. Coming up after the break, we turn the page to the features section. I'm Angel Biasati, and we're hosting... Safe Treats and Healthy Streets. We'll talk about it in Methodist Mansfield News to Know. I'm Beth Steinke, and we are continuing on with some of the top questions and answers homebuyers want to know today on the Mansfield Real Estate Report. In this week's Cocktail of the Week, I'll be talking about a cocktail that puts a creative Italian spin on the classic margarita. We are Mansfield's only source for news, sports, and conversation. I'm Colleen Daniel, and this is About Mansfield. This portion of the news was brought to you by the Grand View Event Center. The housing market is evolving as interest rates rise to meet inflation. Speculation abounds as to what the future may hold. Do you have a trusted advisor? The Roger and Beth team at Century 21 Judge Fight should be your first call in all matters concerning real estate and the market. We specialize in residential real estate for both buyers and sellers. With industry partners across North America, our resources and expertise can turn the home you've been envisioning into a reality. Visit our website at homesinmansfield.com to learn more. That's homesinmansfield.com. I'm Philip Washington, Chief Investment Officer of Stonehill Wealth Management and host of the Wealth Building Made Simple podcast. First book I read in college was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it changed my life. And since then, I've read tons and tons of books on money. And what I've done is taken those lessons, simplified them, and I talk about those lessons on the podcast, Wealth Building Made Simple. So come hang out with us. We're on every major platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on YouTube, Wealth Building Made Simple. 
Congratulations to Craig Holland, who was the first person to email the correct answer to last week's trivia question. What was the name of the full-service filling station that occupied the corner of Main and Broad Streets for 50 years? Craig knew that Harold and Mary Sells, along with their son Bill, operated the Sells service station from 1950 to 1991 when Bill's wife Brenda joined the staff. When we come back, this week's trivia question. This is about Mansfield. At Methodist Mansfield Medical Center, we've been caring for our home team for over 15 years. Today, you'll find award-winning physicians on the medical staff, advanced neurosurgery, a level three trauma center, critical care for newborns, and comprehensive orthopedic care. Methodist Mansfield, delivering the care our friends, neighbors, and home team depend on. That's community, and why so many people trust Methodist. Hey, it's Steve Casillo, and are you ready to make your voice heard? Want to bring out your ideas to life through captivating conversations and engaging visuals? Look no further than Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio, your one-stop destination for award-winning audio and video podcast recording. Equipped with cutting-edge microphones, crystal-clear audio recording, and high-definition cameras, we're here to turn your ideas into engrossing content. But it's not just about the equipment. We're dedicated to bringing out the best in your content. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, We're here to elevate your podcasting game. We'll even help you with intro music, transitions, voiceover, and that professional polish that sets your podcast apart. So whether you're into interviews, storytelling, or simply sharing your expertise, Podcast Mansfield can help bring your podcasting dreams to life. Visit podcastmansfield.com. Podcast Mansfield, we're creating your podcast masterpiece has never been easier. Hi, this is Joe Jenkins with Joe Jenkins Farmers Insurance, specializing in auto, home, commercial, and life insurance. I was born and raised here in Mansfield, Texas. We're active in the community, and Mansfield's a town we really care about. Our office has over 30 years' experience in the insurance industry, and we're passionate about what we do and about customer service. For a free quote, please visit our website at joejenkinsinsurance.com or give us a call at 817-472-6058. Once again, that website is joejenkinsinsurance.com. It is time right now for the highly coveted, wildly popular about Mansfield trivia question. The first person to email the correct answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com will receive a $25 gift card to a Mansfield restaurant of your choice. It's brought to you by Joe Jenkins Insurance. Whether you're looking for homeowners, auto, commercial, or any other type of insurance, Joe has helped Mansfield area residents understand the insurance coverage that best fit their needs since 2010. You can find him on the internet at joejenkinsinsurance.com. Let's get to this week's question, Colleen. Well, Steve, the Mansfield Public Library was established in 1929 and originally operated out of the corners of stores, cramped space in city buildings, and, for a while, even in the waiting room of a doctor's office. This week's trivia question is, from 1929 to 1960, who was Mansfield's first librarian? Email your answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com. Again, having served from 1929 to 1960, who was Mansfield's first librarian? Good luck, and thanks to Joe Jenkins Insurance for the gift card. Hi, my name is Kenneth Rose, President and CEO of Texas Health Hospital Mansfield. You are listening 
to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield, your audio newspaper. Let's open up the features section. Angel Biasati is here to talk about a Halloween event for little ghosts and goblins in Methodist Mansfield News to Know. Join us at Methodist Mansfield Medical Center for safe treats and healthy streets, a unique community event that combines the fun of Halloween with vital health and safety initiatives. Methodist Mansfield's Pharmacy Director, Steve Knight, tell us about this unique event. Thanks, Angel. The date is October 28, 2023, from 2 to 5 p.m. at Methodist Mansfield's Women's Center entrance parking lot. Here's what you can expect. Trunk or treat Halloween celebration will include a costume parade for the youngsters dressed up in their favorite costumes for our festive parade. We will be giving an award for the best costume. We will also have trunk or treat where citizens can visit decorated car trunks filled with treats for the little ones, along with a Barbie van. Families can enjoy crafts, games, and entertainment for all ages. We will also have gun safety awareness and education, along with free gun safety locks while supplies last. There will also be a learning station where you can learn how to stop the bleed. Free Narcan training and Narcan kits will also be available to eligible participants while supplies last, from the City of Mansfield Fire Department. Come learn how this life-saving medication can reverse opioid overdoses. And most important, you can bring your unused or expired medications for safe and anonymous disposal during the event. That sounds like fun, Steve. You better believe it, Angel. Safe Treats and Healthy Streets is more than just a Halloween event. It's an opportunity to come together as a community, celebrate safely, and learn about critical health and safety topics. Whether you're interested in festive fun, Narcan awareness, or responsible medication disposal, this event has something for everyone. We really look forward to seeing you there. Thanks, Steve. At Methodist Mansfield Medical Center, we believe in fostering a healthy and connected community. Safe Treats and Healthy Streets is an opportunity to come together for fun, education, and safety. We can't wait to see you there. Register at methodisthealthsystem.org backslash Mansfield Safe Treats. That's Methodist Mansfield News to Know. I'm Angel Biasati reporting for the About Mansfield podcast. Realtor Beth Steinke continues her series on questions home buyers may have in the Mansfield real estate market update. Beth? We are picking up where we left off last week with four more top questions from buyers. Number five, what is a home inspection and do I need one? A home inspection is a thorough assessment of the property's condition conducted by a qualified inspector. It's a crucial step in the home buying process because it can uncover hidden issues or potential future problems. While not mandatory, a home inspection is highly recommended to avoid unpleasant surprises. If significant issues are discovered, it provides an opportunity to renegotiate the purchase price or request repairs before closing. Well, let me tell you what a home inspection is not. It's not magical, and it's not going to find latent defects or see-through walls. Although technology has helped with that, many inspectors do use moisture meters and thermal imaging cameras to see behind walls. For my clients, I recommend adding a camera inspection into the plumbing for older homes or homes with big trees in the front yard. It's a pricey add-on, but so is excavating under your house or jackhammering up your flooring and replumbing. 
Question number six, how do I negotiate the price with the seller? Negotiating the price with a seller is a skill that your realtor will bring to the table. They will assess the market, analyze comparable sales, those are called comps, and consider the condition of a property to determine a reasonable initial offer. Your agent will then communicate with the seller's agent to negotiate the terms, which may include purchase price, closing date, seller concessions, for example, covering some of the closing costs, and contingencies. Effective negotiation can be a delicate balance between securing a good deal and maintaining a positive relationship with the seller. Many times a buyer will ask me, if we offer X, will it insult the seller? That's always a possibility. The one big surprise in negotiating for real estate purchase is how little most buyers are willing to push for the best price. It's not like when you buy a Ford Explorer, let's say, where there are many dealers and many colors and trim packages to choose from. Once a buyer has picked out their dream home and made that decision to make an offer, they typically are not willing to stand firm for fear they might lose the house. Of course, this is market dependent. We are just now edging towards the first buyer's market in almost a decade. So that's likely to shift the balance of power in the negotiations, at least for a short time. Question number seven, what is earnest money and how much should I offer? Earnest money, also known as a good faith deposit, is a sum of money you provide to the seller to demonstrate your commitment to purchasing a property. The amount can vary, but is typically around 1% of the purchase price. It's held in an escrow account until the sale closes. The earnest money deposit is also an indication to the seller of your seriousness as a buyer and can be used to cover certain closing costs or applied to your down payment at closing. A couple of notes here. You can borrow the earnest money from a family member within certain parameters, but you are never able to borrow it from another lender, like a credit card or a personal loan. It has to be made in sourced funds. It cannot just appear in your account. For instance, if you sold your car and deposited $10,000 into your bank, you'd need an official bill of sale to show where the money came from. This is where your lender will guide you if you have heavy cash deposits on the regular or other banking challenges. Question number eight, what happens at the closing of a real estate deal? The closing, often referred to as settlement, is the culmination of the real estate transaction. It's the point at which all necessary paperwork has been reviewed, double and triple checked, the numbers all line up between the title company and the lender, the attorney draws up all of the final documentation required to transfer the property from the seller to the buyer, and the parties head to the closing table to sign. Once signed, the lender does one final check of the documents, then they will issue a funding authorization. At that time, ownership is technically transferred from the seller to the buyer. The closing is typically held at a title company in two separate appointments, one for the seller and one for the buyer. Depending on what time the closing happens, it's not uncommon for a seller to receive their proceeds from the sale into their bank account on the same day as signing. Now, I bet you still have a few questions about the buying process. Well, I've got you. Send us your question via email to info at aboutmansfield.com. Be sure to join us in the next couple of weeks as we tackle the top questions that sellers ask.
For the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Beth Steinke with Century 21 Judge Fight. Shaken or stirred, either way, you know it's always good, as Brian Certain serves up a Mexican classic with an Italian twist in the cocktail of the week. Brian? This week's cocktail of the week is the sweet cherry Italian margarita. If you want to put a creative Italian spin on the classic margarita, you do that by incorporating sweet cherries and amaretto liqueur. You're going to use the muddled cherries to provide a burst of summer fruit flavor, while the amaretto is going to add nutty almond notes that pair perfectly with the tart citrus and tequila. The result is a margarita variation that's equal parts sweet and refreshing. But as always, don't worry about taking notes. I'll be giving out all the ingredients and instructions and posting them on bourbongospel.com. Ingredients, you're going to need five to six sweet cherries pitted and halved. You're going to need two ounces of a good Añejo tequila, one ounce of amaretto, a half ounce of fresh, remember fresh, lemon juice, one half ounce of agave nectar, and then finally a lemon wedge and a fresh cherry for garnish. To put it all together in the bottom of a cocktail shaker, gently muddle the cherry halves until lightly crushed and the juices have been released. Make sure not to over-muddle. Then you're going to add the tequila, the amaretto, the lemon juice, and agave nectar. Fill the shaker with ice cube and shake vigorously until well-chilled and diluted. You're going to wet the rim of a rocks glass with a lemon wedge and dip into sugar for a nice sugary rim. And then you're going to strain that margarita into the rim glass filled with fresh ice. Finally, garnish with the lemon wheel and a fresh cherry. This sweet cherries provide a nice fruitiness that complements the nutty amaretto beautifully. The lemon adds bright acidity to balance the sweetness. And the Añejo tequila adds a subtle smokiness from its barrel aging along with the pleasant agave flavor. You might want to consider salting half the rim instead of sugaring it all for a savory contrast. You can also substitute a maraschino liqueur or a cherry brandy if you don't have amaretto. Be sure to use ripe, juicy, sweet cherries at their peak of flavor. Sip this Italian margarita on a sunny patio with antipasta spreads or Italian snacks like stuffed olives or provolone. The touch of amaretto truly sets this summertime margarita apart from the standard version, taking you on a delicious Italian flavor journey. As always, I'm open to hear your take and input. You can reach me at brian at bourbongospel.com. And until next week, as Mark Twain said, too much of anything is bad. But too much whiskey is barely enough. Reporting for the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Brian Certain. We're back in 60 seconds with our interview with the New York Times bestselling author, Craig Johnson. Hey, it's Steve Casillo. When we all remember the storm that blew through our town back in June that pelted this community with baseball-sized hail, it did a ton of damage around Mansfield, including my own roof. Regular listeners to About Mansfield have heard Paul Duncan's commercials for Trinity Roofing and Construction. And after the storm, I reached out to him, and boy, am I glad that I did. From the first call to Paul to working with the crew leader, the scheduling department, and the entire construction team, and how it all played out with my insurance company, working with Trinity Roofing and Construction was a breeze. It's easy to see why they're a platinum preferred contractor with Owens Corning with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. So if you're thinking on replacing your roof, 
look no further than Trinity Roofing and Construction. They're a Mansfield-based company, and you can find them on the web at trinityroofingconstruction.com. Again, that's trinityroofingconstruction.com. Hi, I'm Katie Hayes, pastor of Galileo Church, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Hey, folks, coming up on Thursday evening, this is something that you may want to, uh, to check out. It's called the Mansfield Reads. It's the night with the author. This is one city, one book, the, uh, uh, the promotion that the Friends of the Public Library have been putting on. It happens at the Public Library. October 19th, Thursday at 7 to 10 p.m. This is the night where we get to meet the author of the book that we've been reading. And the book that we've been reading is called Daughter of the Morning Star. You may recall a TV series. It started on A&E. It moved over to Netflix. The uh, The series was called Longmire. And it was based on a, a series of books. Uh, the main character, Detective Walt Longmire, the uh, the trusty sheriff of the fictional Absaroka County in in Wyoming, and with us on the phone right now from Wyoming, the author of uh, not only Daughter of the Morning Star, but we'll talk about some of his other books as well. Craig Johnson, welcome to About Mansfield. Thanks, Steve. Good to be here. You live in uh, I, I, that's that's another thing that I don't know how to pronounce. I, I, first of all, it took me a while to learn. Absaroka, Wyoming, the crown jewel of the UCLA area. That would be you cross Claremont, Leiter, and Arvada, and if you combine all of those towns together, you'd have a population of a little over 200 people. Again, so uh, we're, we're kind of in, you know, uh, representative of, of Wyoming as a whole, where we only have about you know 500,000 people like that, and so you know, Mansfield's huge by, by well, <laughs> and so and I've seen Mansfield grow. I've been here almost 20 years. I've seen it grow almost double in size, and so I'm still on that. On that fence, are we a big town or are we a little city? <laughs> well, you're, and you're also immediately adjacent to like two very, very large towns, right? Like and and I Fort Worth I, and Arlington and all that. I grew up in a city of two million people, so yeah, that's a that's a large city. Uh, it c- is coming from the West Coast. You did not grow up in a big city, though, did you? No, no, not at all. Like that, and uh, I don't know. Maybe that's why it is that I started writing a series of books about the sheriff of the least populated county in the <laughs> least populated state. Like at, uh, I don't know. When I, whenever I first started up, like here, you know, a little more than twenty years ago, like at, it seemed like everything in crime fiction was, you know, very noir. It was, mm-hmm. it was all you know, gritty, urban you know, alcoholic detectives burying bodies in their backyards and that type of thing. And I just thought, you know, what if you did something different? What if you went in a different direction like that and, uh, you know, came up with this guy, Walt Longmire? And, uh, you know, I guess, you know, I've been writing him now for about 20 years. Like that, And uh, it's actually a blast. Look, at I, I was a little nervous at first with the idea of writing a series of books because the first book in the series, The Cold Dish, was just a, a standalone book, just a piece of Western, you know, standalone uh, literary fiction. Um, but it just kind of started me off. Like at, and then when Viking Penguin said, you know, hey, we, we really think that, you know, these characters in this place have legs and we'd just like to see the possibility of maybe you continuing and doing more of these. Like, and so 
that kind of sent me on a trajectory of writing the books. And then when the television show came out and everything, of course, that uh, that kind of hyper extended the whole situation a little bit too. When you wrote, I'm the, working on book twenty and haven't looked back. Oh my gosh, book twenty, <laughs> uh, which is about a book a year. Yeah, uh-huh. along with a couple of novellas and a couple of collections of short stories. Yeah, when you wrote the Cold Dish in, in 2004. Did you have any type of writing background, or did you know that you knew how to write? You know, I, I came from a family of storytellers, like, and I was the worst one in the family. <laughs> like, and so, so I'll maybe, write a book if I if I couldn't tell stories, maybe I could write them down, like that. And so, but I, I kind of kept it to myself, you know, in many ways, like that, because you know, wanting to be a writer is kind of like wanting to be an astronaut. I mean, the chances that you're going to make it are so slim, you know, just don't tell anybody and that way you don't embarrass yourself. Like yeah. And so, so I kind of like closet wrote, you know, for years and years, like that. And then, you know, wanting to write, like, and having something to write about are, you know, two different things. Like, and so I thought, you know, well, you know, when I finally stumbled onto Walt, you know, and thought about this uh, storyline like that for the cold dish, like, and saw this trajectory for this character and all of this, I thought, you know, well, this, this might actually be something. This might actually work. And uh, it seemed to be different, you know, from what everybody else was doing in crime fiction. And then also, you know, a little bit different from what, you know, the majority of writers were doing um, with Westerns, um, which is another thing for me. Like, I mean, I kind of like bridge the gap, you know, between uh, a couple of different genres. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I thought a contemporary Western, you know, that would be interesting. Like, And then, you know, with that kind of a rural uh, kind of situation might be interesting too. I guess the the one thing I didn't take into consideration was how many people can you kill in the least populated county in the least populated <laughs> state before it kind of gets ridiculous. And so at that point I had to kind of start like making Walt almost like a ball team. He was kind of playing home in a way. Um, you know, I would like, you know, have him in the county or thereby, you know, somewhere nearby, like at or out and about. And, uh, and it actually, it actually seems to have worked pretty well. I am, I'm kind of proud of it. Like in the movie Fargo, where they actually had to go out to the big city and, and <laughs> when exactly, exactly. Or else, you know, boy, it's going to draw attention pretty quick. How, like. how did you come up with the name Walt Longmire? You know, one of my favorite you know, authors when I was growing up was, uh, Charles Dickens. And he was always extraordinarily, you know, uh, uh, amazingly in in the way that he could devise names for characters where you would understand um that character before you even met them all you had to do was hear their name i mean when i say the name scrooge you really don't need to know anything more that's it um, about that character and so with walt you know with his wife dying um five years previous to when the series starts you know he's he's kind of in a fit of depression and so of course, the way he fights that, you know, is is that you know he's he's extraordinarily intelligent, like that, and he's also you know amazingly you know uh, he's funny. He's got a great sense of humor, like that, which is always nice, like that, because I have a lot of people in law enforcement who will come up to me who read the books, never seen the television show, and they always come up to me, and the first thing they say is the books are funny. That's why they work, you know, and why it seems so real is because you know he's got a sense of humor. And anybody who's ever had any type of job like that, whether you're in the medical field or law enforcement or, you know, teaching or whatever like that, you know, to have that sense of humor will be well to keep you going um, when nothing else will. And, uh, yeah, that, that mm-hmm. you know, just, you know, kind of seemed like it worked for me. And then I thought, okay, well, he needs a name. Yeah. And so I thought, okay, in, in the Dickensian sense, you know, if this guy's, you know, been clinically depressed for an awfully long time, maybe Longmire, Longmire, that'll work. And uh, and then of course how you test a Western name is you put it before Steakhouse and if you if it seems, that sounds like good, it actually works then yeah, that's how it goes so that that's a joke <laughs> I caught I yeah 
Yep. We have a guy here in town who has written several books based on his his career in the FBI. And so, mm-hmm. and, and two, he's, he's created a fictional character. Some of the information that goes into this book also is, is very autobiographical. Are, are, are there any instances in any of your 20 books where you've chosen something happened at the Thanksgiving dinner at your place and you, you know what, let me write that down. Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, I mean, one of my favorite quotes about writing is, you know, and not, not only including plot, but character also. Look at, I mean, one of my favorite quotes is from Wallace Stegner um, and his, uh, the famous writing instructor from Stanford looked at, and he had a great quote once that said, you know, that uh, uh, the greatest piece of fiction ever written is the disclaimer at the beginning of every book that says nobody in this book is based off anybody alive or dead. Look at, and, you know, I mean, that's your job, like, is to use, you know, your experiences, you know, and the people that you meet. Um, and and utilize them as stories. Um, it's kind of the, the it, it keeps the the books you know grounded in a reality. I mean, I, I use an awful lot of news stories like that and uh, newspaper articles and that type of thing. You know, as jump off points um, no. for a lot of the stories, just simply because I want Walt you know to deal with the things that you know, Western sheriffs deal with. I don't want to ever have him, you know, out chasing Al-Qaeda in Crook County or, you know, Walt on a cruise ship or, you know, things like that. If I, if I do that, Steve, you'll know I'm done, okay? But uh, to me, that's the important point. Look at, and obviously, you know, with Daughter of the Morning Star, the book that was chosen by Mansfield for the read is, you know, an extraordinarily important one for me simply because it deals with murdered and missing indigenous women, yeah. um, which is a real, you know, real, real problem like that in Indian country right now. And so I kind of tend to refer to what I write as, you know, um, uh, socially responsible crime fiction. I mean, I'm not, you know, looking to, you know, write books, you know, where I'm stacking up bodies like cordwood just to get you to turn pages. You know, I really want to deal with the things, you know, that people in the West are dealing with. And so, and the things that these sheriffs are dealing with. And so, you know, to me, that becomes an an important issue whenever I'm even considering whether it is I'm going to write a book. And that's something that that is actually happening in real life, where you've got uh, whether it's Wyoming, Montana, that that you've got uh, the indigenous people on the reservations who are have to live with people who don't live on the reservation, and and how do you live harmoniously? I would assume that's something that uh, Longmire is is facing in his county. Oh, absolutely! Like I mean, even with the very first book, um, it kind of kicks off like that with this this friendship between you know Walt and Henry, uh, and you know each of them are you know kind of emblematic, you know. Uh, you know, for their the cultures, the two major cultures that you know that that meet, you know, mm-hmm. on those borders of that reservation, um, because each of those reservations is you know is a sovereign nation unto itself. They have right. their own police forces, their own courts, their own laws, and and so it's almost like you know a foreign country. Um, and so, you know, to be able to be on there like that and, you know, uh, assist, you know, or something like that, that's, you know, kind of a, a major issue, like at the, you know, where it is that we are and who has the jurisdiction, you know, and who's going to be responsible. Um, but a lot of times it's not like it's portrayed, uh, in, uh, Hollywood, where those jurisdictional applications are like, you know, really forcefully dealt with and people don't want other, you know, groups coming in or anything like that. As a general rule, like that, <laughs> anybody that can help you, you're more than happy to have them, you know, um, be a part of, 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 you know, any investigation that you're involved with. And so, you know, whenever they have this, this young woman, Jaya Long, who's this incredible, 
basketball phenom playing for the you know, lame deer morning stars like that. And, you know, she's probably headed, you know, for a, a college like that and probably maybe even play in the, the you know, women's NBA like that. She's that good. Like wow. that starts receiving all these death threats. Um, they kind of have to be taken very seriously simply because, you know, she, she had a sister who disappeared, um, a year earlier. And so, you know, for me, that became an issue like that whenever I was up there watching some of the girls basketball, uh, games like on Friday nights, I just thought, you know, okay, yeah, you've got an issue, but now here's the vehicle, um, to be able to, to drive this story. And I've put Walt in some very dangerous situations before, but I've never put him on a bus full of teenage girls. Like that, that probably is the most <laughs> dangerous situation that he's ever had to face in his entire life. But, uh, but yeah, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a wonderful book to write. I had a great time writing that book and doing the research for it. And I'm kind of happy to, to be returning to it. You know, it's about two books back, yeah. I guess, you know, um, but it's a joy, you know, to, to return back to it because I just, um, those were some, some, some wonderful characters that, you know, were, uh, involved in that particular story like that. So I'm, I'm kind of tickled that, that Mansfield chose that one, um, to be the read, I have to admit. And that again is, uh, October 19th, Thursday night, 7 to 10 PM at the Mansfield Public Library, where you can have a chance to, to meet and, uh, I don't know about shake the hand, but uh, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, <laughs> shake the I'm hand a of Craig Johnson. Author like that. <laughs> Let's go back, uh, if you don't mind. Uh, 2004, the Cold Dish. You, you again. The publisher said, "Hey, let's let's think about a series." At what point did it become a TV show? You know, I was about, I guess, seven, maybe maybe six. I think I was six books into the series. Um, when Warner Brothers came and knocked on the door and said, hey, you know, we'd like to make a TV show um, out of your books. And I looked at them and said, you want to make a TV show out of the, the sheriff of the least populated county <laughs> in the least populated state? And I said, yeah, yeah, we think that'll actually work. Okay. And so um, they were actually a really, you know, wonderful group of people to work with, the producers and directors and everybody that was involved. And uh, I, they made me a creative consultant on the show. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask how much uh, how much uh, input you had in into the team. Probably show. way too much. Probably mm. <laughs> probably far too much. Um, they they actually you know made me a creative consultant. You know, and I think that for them it kind of made sense because I could answer all the questions because I had been researching writing these books. You know, for seven years. You know, by the time um, they got on board, look at and uh, yeah, we you know they 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 cast it. I think they we I actually had. A say, you know, in the auditions and the casting of the show, which was, you know, cast contingent. They had to find, you know, a Walt Longmire that would be suitable, you know, not only for the, you know, the studio, but also for, you know, the producing organization, which was at that point A&E. Um, and then also me, look at him. We all kind of agreed that Robert Taylor had good sheriff DNA, that he would, uh, he could represent the Walt Longmire pretty well. Look at And then we brought on board also, um, you know, uh, native Texan Lou Diamond Phillips right. and uh, Katie Sackhoff and, you know, all the other wonderful uh, actors that we got. And then, um, lo and behold, what a surprise. Like, we actually became the highest rated scripted drama that, um, that A&E ever had. Right. Um, and then when we switched over, looked at and started being uh, produced by Netflix, uh, we became, you know, one of their, you know, biggest hits. Like, it and, uh, and you know, here we are, like that six years after you know stopping production, mostly because Netflix wanted to buy the show from uh, Warner Brothers, like that, and Warner Brothers wouldn't sell it. 
um, here we are six years later, like, and we're still one of the top ten to twenty shows in you know in popularity on Netflix every other week, um, which is kind of a surprise. Like I have to admit, I mean, if you know if somebody would have told me that would happen, I would find it kind of hard to believe. Like that, but I don't know. It's just huh. uh, I think there's a there's a an honesty I think in the portrayal of of Western life. Um, that I think, you know, comes across. Look at, I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there that's like a little salacious and a little bit unbelievable. Um, and so I think people kind of gravitate, I think, I think to a certain extent, you know, to Longmire and, and then also in the time period, you know, it was also during COVID. And, uh, you know, it was a little bit more like a, a modern day gun smoke, you know, where, you know, you could kind of count on the the lead guy to do the right thing. Right, you know, he, he's not perfect. Look, and there are going to be difficulties along the way. But uh, you know, he's he's a decent individual. I mean, whenever anybody asks me what's the one word that I would use to describe Walt Longmire, the word that I always use is decent. Um, I just remember the period in time when we were growing up. You know, that was important. You know, you were supposed to be civil. You were supposed to be decent, like that. And I think Walt, you know, kind of harkens back. Uh, you know, to that, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's the Roy Rogers, Gene Autry, you know, kind of, um, you know, it's a, it's a much more complex world, I think, than, than they faced. And, and the chances of Walt breaking into song are relatively slim. Like, but, uh, <laughs> I, I think he also, you know, he, he kind of represents, you know, something that, you know, I think we all kind of aspire to a decency and a kindness, you know, and I think, you know, in times of unsettled qualities, like, you know, that COVID was for everybody, it was kind of nice for people to be able to, to jump in and watch that TV show or read the books. And, uh, and and find a little solace in some ways. I'm kind of proud of that, I have to admit. Right there in the uh, the little county of Absaroka in the, in Wyoming, now over uh, over in Montana. Do you think Longmire was maybe just a, a a little bit before its time, and where it's the the most popular TV show right now on TV is is based in Montana? I think we both know what we're talking about. Uh, uh-huh. uh, oh, I don't know. Like I don't know if it was before its time, like, but it certainly you know broke a lot of. Ground um, for a lot of contemporary westerns. I mean, there are a bunch of you know contemporary westerns that are on television right now, and I think you know when we started doing it, there there really weren't any. Like it it was you know it was kind of a a tough road to hoe. Like and so we kind of did things a little bit differently. We did deal with like social issues, you know, and uh, and uh, I I don't know. I'm I'm kind of proud of the fact that we were able to do that. You know, the other great thing also is is I mean you know we've got a lot of really wonderful actors like that that went on to uh, some amazing things. A lot of native actors, like at good friends of mine, like at Zon McLaren, who's now on Dark Winds, um, is doing a fantastic job over there. A. Martinez. Um, I mean, if, if nothing else, you know, at least Longmire gave more work probably to more native actors um, in the six years of production than maybe the rest of Hollywood combined. And that's something to be proud of. I was going to ask you, what's a typical day like in Ucross, Wyoming? <laughs> Well, it's a little quieter, I think, than Mansfield. I have to yeah. be honest with you. Um, you know, I, you know, it's it's mostly you know it's it's cattle country. Like it's you know it's an, it's an agricultural based economy. Um, you know, I've got a little ranch here, like that. You know, and uh, let's see, on one side of me there's a, a fourteen thousand acre ranch, and on the other mm-hmm. side of me there's a twenty thousand acre ranch. Like that. and so um, they tend to be you know large ranches. Like it, and uh, I don't know though. I mean, it, 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 there are also some universal qualities. I think that you know that tend to go across 
uh, the board looked at. I mean, you know, the the same two ranchers that you know that meet out in front of the Busy Bee Cafe, you know, here in Wyoming, like had to talk about the weather. The same two ranchers that meet, you know, outside of Mansfield to talk about the weather too. Look at yeah. so, I think there's a universal quality, you know, to a lot of those things. Look at and uh, it, you know the the geography of it. You know, yeah, it makes a difference. Like, but there's a little bit of a universality to it. I think that a lot of people respond to, um, which is really kind of wonderful. But you know, I mean, I also laugh though, like that, because the same things that work against technology in Wyoming are the same things that work against that same technology in Texas. You know, I can always tell whenever anybody comes up to me and says, you know, why does Walt Longmire not carry a cell phone? And my immediate response to that is always, you've never been to Wyoming. Have That's you? right. Who's got so, service? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Without all that other stuff, it really doesn't tend to work. You know, and so one of the underlining themes, I think, of the books, obviously, is the limitations, you know, of technology, where we think, you know, we're the masters of the universe as long as we have these little cell phones in our hands or, you know, have our computer in front of us or whatever like that. And sometimes nature has a way of, like, you know, stepping in and going, yeah, not so much. <laughs> so. Uh, uh, that's kind of one of the themes for the books, you know, and I think it also keeps the books, you know, uh, grounded in a reality, but also I think it, uh, it also makes for good writing. You know, I, I don't think there's anything more boring, you know, in a, uh, a book than somebody talking on a cell phone or doing research on a computer like that. I, I'd much rather have Walt knocking on doors or talking to people and actually having that kind of, you know, dramatic, you know, kind of situation, the conflictive aspects of, you know, doing an investigation is much more interesting to me than technology, which is kind of every day. Sure. Makes it more personal. Yeah. When they're knocking absolutely. on doors. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, and, and Walt obviously is not very technologically, you know, uh, <laughs> adept like that. He's fortunate that he has Victoria Moretti, like that as his undersheriff, you know, who uh, spent the majority of her life in Philadelphia, like that, and, uh, you know, and, and probably has forgotten more about forensics and ballistics than Walt will ever learn like that. But, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a process, you know, and that, that, that's part of the fun, you know, of writing these type of books is to have an ensemble of characters that you can kind of like, you know, move forward like a chess set like that and uh, and whatever you know story it is you happen to be telling you've got a strong suit that you can use 20 books since uh, since 2004 turned into a a popular A&E series a Netflix series uh which has also then turned into Longmire days down in Buffalo <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we have this thing called Longmire Days. It's kind of a FEMA disaster, is what it is, you know, because uh, <laughs> the the actors show up, you know, with about you know twelve to fifteen thousand of their closest friends, look at, and then all of the grocery stores and all the restaurants run out of food, all mm. of the ATM machines and banks run out of money, and then everybody walks around with their cell phones because we only have one little tower in Buffalo, and you know they're looking at the little blue circle of death, and I walk up to them and say, yeah, now you know why Walt doesn't carry a cell phone, don't you? <laughs> it's uh, it's actually been going on now for about 13 years. Uh, and uh, we, we've raised, you know, I guess this the last four years, I think we've raised over $100,000, um, you know, for uh, charitable organizations, one of which was, you know, the uh, the Murdered Missing Indigenous Women's Resource Center up in Lame Deer. We were able to give them a sizable amount of money, something that they'd never had before. And so, you know, other than just raising visibility for these issues, look at it, it's a, it's a grand time. 
I got to admit, like that, it's a uh, it's a gangbuster event, you know, and uh, you know, every summer, like that, it also gives an an opportunity for the actors, you know, who because the television show was actually filmed um, down in New Mexico, right, and so it, you know, for all these actors, you know, either you know wherever it is that they happen to be from, like that, but also the opportunity to go film the show, you know, in New Mexico, but then they get the opportunity to actually come and see, you know what Wyoming really looks like. like, And that's kind of fun for them, too. <laughs> I bet. Longmire Days takes place in uh, mid-July, and it's a three-day festival. It is. It is. We have a rodeo. We've got a softball game, Indians versus the Cowboys. And generally, the Indians annihilate the Cowboys Mm -hmm. just about every single year. Um, And then we've got, you know, there are just so many things that go on with this particular event. We've got a parade. You know, we've got a little bit of everything that goes on in those three days kind of packed in. Um, And I don't know. I think the actors really enjoy it, too, like that, because they don't get a chance, you know, to, to see Walt's world, you know, in many ways. Like that, because Buffalo is kind of the source, uh, you know, for the town of Durant that's in the books. Um, you know, there's a busy bee cafe, you know, there's a, a little, um, you know, uh, uh, little Carnegie library, you know, back behind the county courthouse, um, that serves, you know, as Walt's office. You know, it's kind of like almost Frank Capra-esque, you know, because they oh, need yeah. to kind of walk into Walt's world, like it, and see all the things, you know, that that are there, not only in the in the books, but also in the TV show. The book is called Daughter of the Morning Star. Uh, it is the Mansfield Reads One City, One Book. <laughs> October 19th, Thursday night, 7 p.m. at the Mansfield Public Library. Go out and, and, and say hello to Craig Johnson. Tell him, Tell him you heard it on About Mansfield. And uh, the cold dish, death without company, kindness goes unpunished, hell is empty, uh, empty, dry bones. Those are just a sample of some of the books. And of course, again, uh, the book that we're focusing on, Daughter of the Morning Star. Craig, your bio says that you're a popular speaker known for your wit, charm, and engaging personality. And I kind of have to go along with that, that uh, oh, I've enjoyed. That's very kind of you, Steve. I appreciate that. I've enjoyed the I'm gonna, 20 I'm going to make my wife listen to this podcast, I'm telling you. Like, Excellent. That'll, that'll, <laughs> that'll double our listenership. I appreciate that. Thank you. I doubt that. Like that but thank you. Craig, I look forward to meeting you on Thursday. Thursday night. And uh, again, uh, gosh, thank you for your time. And thanks for being on About Mansfield. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Looking forward to being there in a couple of days. Coming up next week, we will talk in studio with yet another fine Mansfield resident, and you'll just have to tune in to find out who it is. In the meantime, this is the place where you will hear the latest Mansfield news, sports, and conversation. Until then, don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, share, love, or support this podcast if you haven't already so you never miss an episode. It's free and it's easy. Head on over to our website, aboutmansfield.com, and enter your email address right there on the homepage. We will never send you any spam. We promise. About Mansfield is recorded at Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. Hosts, Steve Casillo and Colleen Daniel. Moment with the Mayor feature, Michael Evans. Methodist Mansfield News to Know, Angel Biasati. Mansfield Real Estate Market Update, Beth Steinke. Cultural Arts Calendar, Tim Roberts. Cocktail of the Week, Brian Certain. Post-Production Editing, Mixing, and Mastering, 
Steve Casillo, and Andrew Miner. This podcast is copyrighted by Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio for the private use of our audience. Any other use of this podcast without written consent is prohibited. We thank you all for listening. On behalf of the entire news team, I'm Steve Casillo, and this... is about Mansfield. <laughs>